نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئه اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله we praise Him, seek His assistance and forgiveness, and we seek refuge in Allah from the evil of ourselves and the evil consequences of our deeds. Whoever Allah guides, there's no one who can lead Him astray, and whoever Allah leads astray, there's no one that can guide Him. And I bear witness that nothing deserves to be worshipped except Allah alone, and that He has no partners. And I bear witness that Muhammad wasallam is His slave servant and His messenger. I think there are some sheets there on the table from last week maybe. Check and see for who needs it. Uh, we would like to briefly review the points that we covered last week from the Sharh explanation of Al-Aqidah Tahawiyya by Al-Imam Al-Tahawi Rahimahullah with the brief explanation of Shaykh Muhammad ibn Abdurrahman Al-Khumis. Last week we read from point number 63 the saying of Al-Imam Al-Tahawi Rahimahullah wa jami'u ma sahha an Rasulillahi sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa sallam min al-shara'i wal bayani kulluhu haqqun that everything that has been transmitted or reported to us authentically from the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam from these two sources من الشرع يعني from the Sharia laws which, which came in the Quran والبيان and the explanation of the matters of deen and the explanation of what was revealed in the Quran as it has been reported to us authentically from the Sunnah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam كُلُّهُ حَقٌ all of it is Truth, all of it is truth, and it must be followed and accepted. So here, from this, we understood that everything which has been authentically reported, and that excludes that which is unauthentically reported, from the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi from two sources: a shara, which refers to the Quran, the first source, and al-bayan, which came along with the Quran, that is the explanation of Quran, which is the Sunnah. The laws, as well as the explanation of those laws, whether it came originally as part of the Qur'an or as explanation of the Qur'an from authentic sunnah, all of it is true and all of it must be accepted. And also, some of the scholars mention here concerning this matter that uh, here Imam Tahawi is hinting or referring to those who want to separate the sunnah from the Qur'an or separate the types of sunnah the sunnah that's called Ahad which came from a small number of chains of narrators one or two or three and that sunnah which is Mutawatir which came from many chains of narrators and the point here is that Imam al-Tahawi and the scholars of sunnah held the position that anything from the sunnah whether it's Ahad or Mutawatir whether it came from one chain or two or three or hundred 
if it has been reported authentically by a correct and authentic chain of narratives, then we have to accept that it is truth. It is truth. Uh, also, we mentioned that this separation between the types of hadith and accepting some and rejecting others is an innovation that was not present amongst the scholars uh, from amongst Sahaba and those who came after them and it was later invented by those who deviated in order to justify their own beliefs which were not in accordance with that which came in the sunnah that wasn't mutawatir the sunnah that came by a small number of chains and included amongst that are many aspects of the aqidah islamiyah which are not reported in hadith mutawatir but are only reported in hadith ahad and they rejected those things in this manner also hadith uh, point number 64 al-imam al-tahawi rahimahullah says wal-imanu wahidun that iman is one yeah, and it is one thing wa-ahluhu fi aslihi sawa'un and that the people of iman that is the believers in the root or essence of iman they are all equal and the same there is no difference between them in iman وَتَفَاضُلْ بَيْنَهُمْ بِالْخَشْيَةِ وَالتُقَى وَمُخَالِفَةِ الْحَوَى وَمُلَازِمَةِ الْأُولَى يعني that the tafadil or the superiority of some of the others or variation in the ranks in front of Allah of the believers since they according to Imam Ta'awi's statement here since they are equal in the root or essence of iman that they all affirm the truth that Allah is one that Allah is the creator that Allah is unique since they all affirm this by their tongue and believe it in their heart they are equal according to the statement of Imam Ta'awi here uh, then the difference between them is in their khashya yani their fear of Allah or their tuqa consciousness of Allah or in their efforts to oppose and reject their desires their immoral or corrupt or unlawful desires and to adhere to and stick to and be consistent in observing the actions and deeds which are loved by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala yani in these things there's difference but in the asl or the root or the essence of iman all of, all of the believers confirm Allah and therefore they are equal in that sense says Al-Imam Tahawi Al-Imam Ibn Abil Iz who was also a great Hanafi scholar and who did the great uh, comprehensive explanation of Al-Aqid Al-Tahawiyyah and other scholars after him from the various madahib contradicted uh, this point of Imam Al-Tahawi and they said, as, as Al-Imam Ibn Abi Al-Izz says, that there are two possible meanings here that can be understood from the statement of Al-Imam Al-Tahawi. And one of them is that uh, all people are equal in their confirmation or affirmation in the heart or on the tongue of the Tawheed of Allah. Uh, that all people are equal in that and they are superior or less than others according to the actions of the heart consciousness of Allah, fear of Allah, and so on. The other meaning which Imam Ibn Abdul Iz says is the correct meaning is that there is a difference even in the root of Iman that there are some whose confirmation or affirmation of the Tawheed of Allah is stronger than others. Yani the Iman of all people in the root or essence is not the same. Not everyone has the same strength of Iman in Allah. Not all people. For example, some of the scholars said, not equal is the Iman of the disobedient Muslims. Not equal to the obedient Muslims. Nor 
are the common Muslims equal in Iman to the Sahaba nor are the Sahaba equal to the Anbiya, the Prophets and Messengers and so on so that the, the conviction in the presence or existence of Allah and His uniqueness, His oneness and so on is not equal from one creature to another there is even a difference in the ruler essence of Iman this is the essence of what we mentioned last week concerning this point in addition to the fact that the scholars of Ahl Sunnah al-Jama'ah also said that Iman is not only conviction in the heart and confession on the tongue but it's also deeds, deeds, actions and those actions are another means by which people have different ranks or varying ranks in Iman according to their deeds also not only the root but also in deeds there is difference point number 65 وَالْمُؤْمِنُونَ كُلُّهُمْ أَوْلِيَاءَ الرَّحْمَانِ the, the believers, all of them are the awliya of Ar-Rahman. All of them are the friends of Allah. وَأَقْرَمُهُمْ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ And the most honored of them with Allah are the most obedient and those who follow the Qur'an more strictly. يعني, the honor in front of Allah is based on obedience, obedience to Allah and following the Qur'an. And here, some of the scholars mentioned that the awliya of Allah or awliya rahman this is an expression that's used by some people to refer to great people who did fantastic or miraculous feats. But in fact, the proper definition of the awliya of Allah, as mentioned by Allah in the Quran, is that the awliya of Allah are those who have two characteristics, الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَكَانُوا يَتَّقُونَ Those who have iman and who have taqwa. Those who have faith in Allah and who have taqwa. These are the two characteristics that classify or justify someone to be in the category of the awliya of Allah. And according to the strength or weakness of their iman or the strength or weakness of their taqwa will be their rank in front of Allah amongst the awliya of Allah. The awliya of Allah are not all equal. Some of them are on higher ranks than others based on these two qualifications. Based on the strength of their iman and the strength of their taqwa. Uh, also, it was mentioned just in passing that here Al Imam Tahawi could have been referring to or contradicting those who uh, used different standards instead of يعني, making the standard of honor in front of Allah, obedience to Him, and obedience to the Messenger and following the Quran and Sunnah. But some of them felt that يعني, stations of honor and status were based on following, even blindly following their madahid and this is the summary of what we talked about last week today inshallah we go to a new topic al-imam al-tahawi rahimahullah says <coughs> not really a new topic but al-iman wal-imanu huwa الإيمان بالله وملائكته وكتبه ورسله واليوم الآخر والقدر خيره وشره وحلوه ومره من الله تعالى. Here he gives a summary of what iman or faith consists of. That al-iman. After talking about iman, then he says, what is iman? What does it comprise of? Al-iman includes. Iman Billah, believing or having faith in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
the angels, his angels, his books, revelations, his messengers or prophets, the last day, and Al-Qadr, Al-Qadr, Khayrihi wa Sharrihi wa Hulwihi wa Murrihi min Allah Ta'ala. That Al-Qadr, the divine decree, the good of it as well as the evil of it, the sweet of it as well as the bitter, all of it is from Allah the Most High. Most of this we already covered in previous points concerning the Arkan of Iman and we have discussed at least most of them in some detail. Here, the Shaykh Muhammad ibn Abdurrahman al-Khumayyis, Hafidhullah, may Allah protect and preserve him, in his brief summary says that Al-Iman, this word, it is an expression that includes or encompasses faith in Allah the Most High and affirming his wahdaniyyah his uniqueness, his oneness, his tawheed, that he is alone and unique. In his person, fidatihi, and in his actions, as'alihi, wa asma'ihi, wa sifatihi, and his names and his characteristics, and also in his right to ubudiyah, that he alone has the exclusive right to be worshipped. Affirming all of this in Allah is part of iman. As well as iman includes believing or having faith in the angels as has been previously mentioned uh, which we discussed uh, a few weeks ago and a part of, part of that Iman includes believing or affirming their existence in general and in detail and those which are, which are mentioned by name and those which are mentioned by description and the general belief that angels exist that they are creatures of Allah as mentioned in the Quran and in the authentic sunnah of the Prophet Also, Al-Iman includes having faith in the books, the divine revelations, scriptures. As we mentioned previously, those books which are mentioned in detail and those which are mentioned by description without mentioning their name and in general the belief that revelations were given to the prophets or the messengers of the past those whom we know and those whom we don't know it also includes having iman or faith in the messengers those whom we know and those who we don't know in general and in detail as has been also previously mentioned and as we said the first of them the first of the rusul the messengers, the first of them was Nuh السلام, Noah and the last of them is Muhammad and also part of the belief in the messengers is believing and affirming and testifying to the fact that they all delivered the messages that Allah sent them with completely without holding back anything and that their guidance was the most complete, perfect and best guidance that there is no guidance, philosophy, theory or otherwise science or anything equal to or more complete or perfect than the guidance that has been brought by the prophets and messengers of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and also included in Iman is having faith in the last day and all that that includes including the resurrection, the giving of account the paradise and the hellfire and other such matters related to the last day uh, that um, are mentioned in the books concerning the Arkan of 
Iman, including the Mizan, the scales, scales for the deeds of people, the Sirat, the bridge, that the people would cross over into the paradise, those who didn't cross would fall into the hellfire, and so on. <coughs> and finally, Iman includes having faith in Al-Qadr, the divine decree, and that, that divine decree is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Al-Khayr wa Sharr, the good and the evil, it is by Allah's determination and Allah's execution that whatever happens, happens. The sweet of it and the bitter of it. Yani that which, when it happens, we are pleased with it. And that which we are displeased with when it happens. All of this is from the qadr of Allah, from Allah's will that it happens. As Allah mentioned in the Qur'an, قُلْ قُلُّ مِنْ عِنْدِ اللَّهِ He orders us to say that everything is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is in Surah An-Nisa, chapter 4, verse 78. These six points, they are the usul, the fundamentals or foundations that the scholars of the Muslim ummah and the people of this ummah have agreed upon. They have agreed upon it. There is no difference of opinion about it. Uh, and they are mentioned in a number of ayats. From amongst those ayats is Surah Al-Baqarah, chapter 2, verse 177. And here five of those usul or fundamentals are mentioned. That Al-Bir or righteousness, all-inclusive goodness, it is to believe in Allah and the last day, and the angels, and the books, or revelations, and the prophets. And also, in the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in chapter 54, I think 54 is uh, Surah Al-Qamr, I think, verse 149, إِنَّا That verily, we have created, that everything, we have created it with a measure, a predetermined measure, with qadr. And also the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah An-Nisa, chapter 4, verse 136, That whoever disbelieves in Allah and the angels and the books and the messengers and the last day, then they have gone far astray. So these are the fundamental, the usuls of arkan, the pillars of iman, six, which if any one of them is removed, then the name or the title of iman is also removed from the person who doesn't affirm or confirm any one of them. These are the six fundamentals that are agreed upon totally without any question, and whoever doesn't believe in any one of them, whoever denies any one of them, <coughs> then the title of iman is not fitting to be applied to him. And in fact, the proper term to apply to such a person instead of Iman is Kufr. We seek refuge in Allah from such. <coughs> there is a point here which uh, Sheikh Muhammad Nasruddin al-Albani says concerning al-Qadr, khayrihi wa sharrihi min Allah, that 
the good and the evil of it is from Allah. He says that there is no contradiction between this statement that Al-Qadr, the good and the evil of it is from Allah, and the statement of the Prophet ﷺ in the dua, the dua for opening, dua al-istiftah, in which it is reported authentically by Imam Muslim, rahimahullah, that the Prophet ﷺ on occasion used to say, وَالْخَيْرُ كُلُّهُ بِيَدَيْكِ وَالشَّرُ لَيْسَ إِلَيْكِ يعني that Al-Khair, all of it, all good, is in your hand, O Allah, is in the hands of Allah. وَالشَّرُ لَيْسَ إِلَيْكِ And the evil is not to you, it is not attributed to you. Some people might understand then, how are you saying that Khair and Shar, all of it is from Allah, and here the Prophet ﷺ is saying the Khair, كُلُّهُ بِيَدَيْكِ All of it is in the hands of Allah وَالشَّرَّ لَيْسَ إِلَيْكِ But as for evil, no, it is not to be attributed to Allah. There is no contradiction here, as Shaykh al-Albani says, that the real meaning is that Allah doesn't create شَرْحْ مَحْضَ يعني any pure evil, يعني that is purely evil. Uh, <coughs> and this is what is being يعني negated, to be attributed to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because whatever, everything that Allah has created, it is, it contains some wisdom. Uh, and for that reason, in consideration of that wisdom that Allah created this thing for, in consideration, consideration of the wisdom, then we say it is khair, khair. That evil thing that is considered, yeah, from another point of view it might be considered evil, but if we look at the wisdom of it, then we wouldn't say it's evil, we'd say that it's good in it. And from that perspective, that even what might be called as evil, it is not pure evil, because Allah doesn't create pure evil, or it should not be attributed to Allah. Uh, <coughs> there might be some harm or some evil coming from it to some of the people, in part. As for uh, that which is purely evil, absolute evil, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is above being attributed to him such a characteristic and this has been given in some detail by some of the scholars Ibn Abdul Iz mentioned in his comprehensive sharh he discussed it and also Ibn Al-Qayyim rahimahullah discussed it in his book Shafa' Al-Aleel and uh, we discussed it previously also in the discussions of Usul Sunnah, and I think to some extent we discussed it when we did, when we covered Al Qadr in the beginning of Al Aqidah Tahawiyah and in other points where it came up. In any case, the important thing, as some of the scholars mentioned, is that that which, when it appears or when it is executed or when it happens, that which might appear to be harmful or evil to the person that it happens to or that it befalls. If we see the wisdom behind it, then we can see that there is some good intended by it. And this is the hikmah or the wisdom of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, even in allowing, for example, disobedience or sickness uh, or poverty. Yani the one who is sick or the one who is poor may say, this is sharr, this is evil. But there is some wisdom behind it, there is some reason behind it. And this is indicated in the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, ظهر الفساد في البر والبحر that الفساد corruption and immorality has spread in the land and in the sea بما كسبت أيدي الناس 
due to what the hands of the people have earned, due to the actions of the people, then fasad has spread throughout the land and the sea. For what reason Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, لِيُذِيقَهُمْ بَعْدَ الَّذِي عَمِلُوا So that they might taste some of what they have done, the works of the, the deeds or the, the, and the results of their actions, so that they might taste some of what they have done, لَعَلَّهُمْ يَرْجِعُونَ Perhaps it will cause them to return, yani to repent and turn back to Allah. So even that fasad that spread in the earth as a result of the actions of the people, Allah in this ayah makes us to know that it is so that the people may get a taste of the results of their actions in this life, as opposed to in the next life when there's no going back. But if they get a taste of it in this life, perhaps لَعَلَّهُمْ يَرْجِعُونَ Perhaps they will turn back. Perhaps they will reflect. Why is this happening? It is the result of our own doings, then they might correct themselves, they might repent and turn back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And also, uh, Shaykh Huthaymeen, Hafizullah mentioned that evil should not be attributed to Allah, and this is confirmed, that evil should not be attributed to Allah, <coughs> and this is confirmed in the dua, which he taught to I think Al-Hasan, one of the sons of Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu anhu, <coughs> the dua Kunut, and in that dua he said, Waqini sharrama qadayt. Protect me from the evil of what you have decreed. Here, if you understand the Arabic language, you will see, and you will understand that here Allah is attributing the evil to the thing, that thing, the created thing, or the created action, which he decreed, not to his decree. The decree of Allah, there is no evil in it whatsoever, because it is for some wisdom. But the thing itself that has been decreed, the action or the person or the creature, then the evil is ascribed to that thing and not to the actions of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is, in brief, uh, something concerning the arkan of iman, which Imam al-Fahawi mentions here, not in detail, but just in passing. And all of it, or most of it we have previously covered. The next point, Imam al-Fahawi says, point number 67, And we are mu'minun, believers, in all of that. All of what has been mentioned previously, we are believers in all of that. لَا نُفَرِّقُ بَيْنَ أَحَدٍ and we do not make any distinction between any one of his messengers, the messengers of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَنُصَدِّقُهُمْ كُلَّهُمْ عَلَى مَا جَاءُوا بِهِ And we confirm the truthfulness of every one of them in that which they have come with, or that which they have brought to us whether the revelation, the sharia laws, or whatever they have brought from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we affirm the truthfulness of those prophets and messengers, all of them, without any distinction between any of them believing in one and not believing in another, or believing in some and not believing in others, but we believe that every one of them came with the truth, and whatever they brought, it was really from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Here, the shaykh, al-Khumayis, says, Concerning this point, and if ever briefly he says that we believe in all of what has been mentioned previously, we affirm it, we submit to it, 
and we do not make any distinction between any of the messengers of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as Allah says Allah ta'ala says in the Quran in Surah Al-Baqarah chapter 2 verse 285 and we do not make any distinction between any one of his messengers and also again the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Baqarah chapter 2 verse 136 we do not make any distinction between any one of them وَنَحْنُ لَهُ مُسْلِمُونَ And we are Muslimun. In front of Allah we are in submission to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we do not make any distinction between the messengers. <coughs> we do not believe in some of them and disbelieve in some of them. As did the previous nations. The Christians believing in the prophets who came before and rejecting the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and the Jews believing in the prophets that were sent them and rejecting Isa alayhi salam as well as Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and so on <coughs> but we believe in all of them we accept all of them we confirm the truthfulness of every one of them and all of what they have brought to us of revelation all of it is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the last point that Imam al-Tahawi mentions here which is a long point <coughs> Point number 68, and that's the last one that we will mention this evening, ta'ala. And it is an important point because it deals with an issue about which there is great difference of opinion, and many of the previous people or previous uh, generations of the Muslims deviated on this point, and even today many misunderstand it. Al Imam Tahawi says here, وَأَهْلُ الْكَبَائِرُ and then in brackets he has من أمتي محمد صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وسلم في النار لا يخلدون that the people أهل الكبائر the people who committed major sins الكبائر means كبيرة the major sins أهل الكبائر those who committed major sins from the أمّة of محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم are in the fire the people, the kabair, the people of kabair, they are in the fire. لا يخلدون But they are not permanently in the fire. They will not stay in it forever. إذا ماتوا يعني on the condition إذا ماتوا وهم موحدون As long as the people from the Ummah of Muhammad not only from the Ummah of Muhammad but actually the people of the prophets of the past generations, of the past nations as well. Whoever of them committed major sins they would not. They would. They may be punished in the hellfire, but they would not stay in it permanently as long as they died. Wahum As long as they died as muwahid, yani one who affirms the tawheed of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. As long as they didn't die on shirk, worshiping something, <coughs> or giving the rights to anyone or anything that are exclusively belonging to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. This is the condition. Ida matu wahum muwahidun. And in that case, even though they committed major sins and may be punished in the hellfire, they would not remain in it permanently. وَإِن لَمْ يَكُونُوا تَائِبِينَ And even if they were not of those who repented, even if they committed major sins and died without repenting from those major sins, still they would not remain in the hellfire forever. Forever. They would still come out. This is also a point where some of the people deviated. They said whoever died committing major sins and they didn't repent from it, then they, permanent, they, they, they are permanently to remain in the hellfire. This is the opinion of the Khawarij and the Mu'atazila. But even if they didn't repent, if they didn't repent, perhaps Allah may forgive them or Allah may punish them for some time and then take them out. 
بعد أن لقوا الله عارفين مؤمنين وهم في مشيئته وحكمه يعني afterwards they would meet Allah for judgment <coughs> afterwards يعني meaning after they died or if they died affirming the tawheed they would meet Allah for judgment عارفين مؤمنين knowing Allah believing in him and believing here is in parenthesis because in some of the manuscripts of the book it's not found and even in the manuscript or in the text of the Sharq of Ibn Abdul Iz also it's not found only the word عارفين عارفين مؤمنين knowing Allah and believing in him وهم في مشيئته and they will be under the will of Allah and the ruling or judgment of Allah they will be subjected to in that case those people who committed major sins would be subjected to the will of Allah and the judgment or ruling of Allah over them what do we mean by the will of Allah? how he says إن شاء غفر لهم وعفى عنهم بفضله يعني if Allah willed he may forgive them and he may pardon them due to his fadl due to his bounty his favor Allah may give whoever he wills of his favor he may forgive whoever he wills so perhaps those who committed major sins even if they didn't repent if Allah wills when they stand before Allah they will be subject to the will of Allah if he wills he may forgive them and pardon them by his bounty or favor كما ذكر عز وجل في كتابه as Allah the mighty and the majestic mentioned in his book in the Quran ويغفر ما دون ذلك لمن يشاء and Allah forgives whatever is less than that to whomever he wills whatever is less than that means whatever is less than shirk kufr and whoever died with any sins major or minor less than shirk as for shirk whoever died on shirk Allah will not forgive them but here Allah makes it clear that all sins are possible to be forgiven if Allah wills he may forgive whomever he wills he forgives ما دون ذلك whatever is less than that لمن يشاء this is in Surah An-Nisa chapter 4 verse 48 and also uh, similar ayah same wording with the ending slightly different came uh, in chapter 4 Surah An-Nisa verse 116 being under the subject to the will of Allah if Allah wills he will forgive وَإِنْ شَاءَ عَذَّبَهُمْ فِي النَّارِ بِعَدْلِهِ And if Allah wills, He will punish them in the fire بِعَدْلِهِ By His adl, by His justice. يعني, if, if He punishes them, it's justice. If He wills, He may punish them. And this will be justice. ثُمَّ يُخْرِجُهُمْ مِنْهَا بِرَحْمَتِهِ وَشَفَاعَةِ الشَّافِعِينَ مِنْ أَحْلِ طَاعَتِهِ Then after that, if those, those who Allah wills to punish, he will, he, uh, or those who Allah wills to punish then he will punish them after that he will bring them out he will remove them from the fire by his mercy and another way that the people will get out of the fire is by the shafa'ah the intercession of the shafi'een of those whom Allah allows to intercede and those who allow to intercede min ahli ta'atihi will be only from those who are obedient to him not anyone will be allowed to intercede but only those who are obedient to Allah and whom Allah is pleased with. ثُمَّ يَبْعَثُهُمْ إِلَىٰ جَنَّتِهِ Then he will send them to his paradise. وَذَٰلِكَ بِأَنَّ اللَّهَ تَعَالَى تَوَلَّ أَحْلَ مَعْرِفَتِهِ وَلَمْ يَجْعَلْهُمْ فِي دَارَيْنِ كَأَهْلِ نُكْرَتِهِ الَّذِينَ خَابُوا مِنْ هِدَايَتِهِ وَلَمْ يَنَالُوا مِنْ وِلَايَتِهِ
This is also a very important point. After Allah punishes whoever He wills to punish from amongst those who committed the major sins and didn't repent from them, didn't make sincere repentance from them, because if they made sincere repentance, Allah accepts sincere repentance, they will not be called to account on Yawm Qiyamah. But those who committed major sins and didn't repent, then Allah may forgive them if He wills, and He may punish them if He wills. Uh, after that He will remove them by His mercy and by those who He allows to intercede. Then He will send them or admit them to His paradise. Here Imam Tahawi makes a beautiful point وَذَلَكَ بِأَنَّ اللَّهَ تَعَالَى تَوَلَّ أَهْلَ الْمَعْرِفَةِ That is because Allah has taken responsibility for and under His protection and care and friendship He has taken uh, under His care the people who know Him the people يعني, who believe in Him who affirm His Tawheed and He didn't make them in the two worlds, الدارين, يعني in this life or in the next life, he didn't make the people who confess and affirm his, his right to be worshipped and his authority, he didn't make them equal to those who denied him. Yani Allah doesn't make equal the believers and the disbelievers, even though some of the believers may have acted like the disbelievers. Yani if they affirmed Allah's Tawheed and they believed in him, even though they committed sins, they may have murdered, they may have stole, they have, may have committed adultery, uh, whatever. But if they affirmed Allah's existence, then Allah would not make them like the other people who are doing those acts, but who denied His existence and His right to be worshipped. They denied Him. The disbelievers. Allah would not make the believers and the disbelievers equal, not in this world, nor in the next life. Those who are lost, who have not received the, the guidance of Allah, nor have they received the wilaya, the protection of Allah, or friendship of Allah. Allah will not make them equal. Then he closes with the supplication, and that supplication has been reported authentically in the hadith, that the Prophet ﷺ used to supplicate with these words, Allahumma ya waliya al-Islam wa ahlihi thabbitna ala al-Islam hatta nalqaka bih. Allahumma, O oh Allah, Ya Wali al-Islam wa ahlihi O oh Allah, the one who is the protector and the befriender of Islam and the Muslims Islam and the people of Islam Thabbitna ala al-Islam Make us firm and steadfast on Islam Hatta nalqaqa Until we meet you on Yawm Qiyamah On this Islam And with this Islam Make us firm on this Islam Until we go out of this world And until we meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on Yawm Al-Qiyam Ameen Ameen Ya Rabbah Shaykh Shaykh Muhammad Ibn Abdul Rahman Al-Khumayyis says here concerning this last point in number 68 how much time is left before the Adhan? about 7.16 oh, plenty of time Alhamdulillah he says here concerning this uh, <coughs> concerning this last point uh, that those who committed major sins and here he says that some of the scholars defined al-kabira or al-kabair the major sins they defined it as that which it has been reported concerning that act that there is a had or a punishment, prescribed punishment in the law. And it's something for which there is a prescribed punishment in the Quran or Sunnah 
This is considered to be a kabirah or a major sin. And the second definition that they gave, la'ana, <coughs> that action about which if someone did it, the curse of Allah or the curse of the Messenger of Allah وسلم, would be upon them or the angels or the, or the believers. Yani if, if there is mentioned in the Quran and Sunnah that the curse of Allah or the curse of the angels or the prophets or the, or the believers would be upon a person who does a certain act, this is classified under kabira. The third thing that he said, Wa'id bin Nar, any action which the person who committed it is threatened with a hellfire for doing such an act, then that's also considered under classification of kabira. And finally he said, Wasf shadeed fi sha'niha, yani any action which a very terrible or severe punishment has been threatened for the one who commits such an act, then this may also be classified under the category of kabira. Al-Imam Al-Zahabi, rahimahullah, one of the great scholars of hadith, wrote a famous book called Al-Kaba'ir, in which he listed and he discussed this issue of major sins. He listed many of the major sins and he mentioned some of the opinions of the scholars that said the major sins are seven or seventy or more than that. And he also discussed the definitions of the various scholars of what is considered a major sin and what has been reported in the Quran and Sunnah concerning major sins. That book, uh, the first translation that was translated by uh, the people from Lebanon is a very bad translation. It shouldn't be read. But I think that there was another translation that came out later. In any case, that book Al-Kaba'ir by Imam Al-Zahabi is a very important book. And whoever can read it, they should read it. So that we will know what are the major sins and what has been reported in the Quran and in the Sunnah concerning those major sins in terms of the punishment in this world or in the next life. So that it will help us and inspire us to avoid such things. Here he says that whoever committed a major sin and after giving these four categories or descriptions of major sins, he said that they would not remain in the hellfire. Yani if they entered it, if Allah didn't forgive them for their major sins and He punished them, then, then if they did enter the hellfire, they would not remain in it. And that is for one reason, or with one condition, that the person died on Tawheed. And the person died on Tawheed, not died on Shirk. But if they died on Tawheed, as a result of their Tawheed, they would come out of the hellfire. The people of Tawheed, no matter what sins they committed, other than dying on shirk, no matter what sins they committed, the people of Tawheed would come out of the fire. And this is the distinction between the people who affirm Allah's Tawheed and those who denied it. And maybe their actions could be the same by those who affirmed Allah's Tawheed. The feature or the special feature or favor that Allah has given to them is that even if they were punished in the hellfire, they would eventually come out. As for the people, the kuffar, the mushrikeen, those who denied Allah and died on that kufr or shirk, they would never come out of the hellfire. It would be everlasting. And this is an important point. This is an important point. Everlasting, not like in this world, 100 years, 200 years, 1,000 years, but everlasting means eternity, to never end. Never end. Huh? <laughs> Naam. Fuel for the hell. Allahumma uh, here he says that they would be taken out of the hellfire due to their tawheed 
even if they died without making repentance, even if they died without making tawbah. As long as when they met Allah on Yawm Qiyamah, they met Allah as a believer, mu'minan bihi, arifan bihi, knowing Allah and believing in Him, then they would be eventually removed from the fire. Here he says that the one who committed major sin and didn't repent from it, he will be under the mashia or the will of Allah. If Allah wills, He may punish them. Due to He may uh, punish them justly. He may punish them by putting them in the hellfire, but they will not remain in it, and they will come out of it due to His mercy and due to the intercession of those who Allah would allow to intercede from those who are obedient to Him or those who He is pleased with. And the greatest of those who Allah would allow to intercede is Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, the last of the prophets and messengers. And if Allah willed, He would pardon them and forgive them out of His fadl, His bounty and favor, and His karam. And every sin besides shirk, there is hope that Allah may forgive it. Whatever it may be, every sin other than shirk, there is hope that Allah will forgive it. And this is based on the saying of Allah, as we already mentioned in Surah An-Nisa, chapter 4, verse 48, That verily Allah does not forgive anyone who makes shirk with him, who associates or worships anything besides him, or gives those rights that are exclusive for him to anyone or anything other than him. That he should be associated with anything or anyone should be associated with him. But he forgives anything that is less than that, less than shirk, as he wills. This is in Surah An-Nisa, chapter 4, verse 48. And also this is confirmed in the hadith of the Prophet that's reported in Al-Bukhari and Muslim, in which he said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, وَمَنْ أَصَابَ مِنْ ذَلِكَ شَيْئًا ثُمَّ سَطْرَهُ اللَّهِ فَهُوَ إِلَى اللَّهِ إن شاء غَفَرَ لَهُ وَإِن شاء عَذَّبَهُ That whoever committed any of those sins that he mentioned, major sins or otherwise, even if they are major sins, whoever يعني, committed any of those sins, then Allah covered him up. Allah didn't let anyone know about it. Then that remained with him until يوم Qiyamah. Then he would be in front of Allah under the will of Allah. If Allah wills, Allah will forgive him. If Allah wills, Allah may punish him. And this is even in the case of the one who committed a major sin and didn't make tawbah. This is really the correct position in contradiction and in opposition to the false madhab or opinion of the Mu'tazila and the Khawarij who said that the person who committed the major sins and died without repenting from it would be in the hellfire permanently forever. The reason for such that there has to be a distinction between those who affirm the tawhid The reason why there has to be a difference is because Allah out of His mercy He did not make those who confirm His existence and His Tawheed equal with the people who denied Him. Not in this world are they equal, nor in the next life. In terms of judgment and punishment will they be equal. But Allah will make a separation between the sinners, even big sinners, from amongst those who affirmed His Tawheed and those who did not. And this is confirmed in another, a number of places in the Qur'an from amongst them is the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
in chapter 45 verse 21 did those who committed so much sins committing those things which Allah prohibited as well as not fulfilling the obligations that Allah placed on them did they think and here Allah is asking a question the meaning of this question is really a negation yani the manner in which it is asked is understood that Allah means to negate this did those who freely committed sins think that we would make them equal and the same like those who believed and did good deeds سواءً, would they be the same in life or in death do they think that they would be the same for sure not evil is it that they judge or that they think or that they see and the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also in chapter 68 verse 35 <coughs> أَفَنَجْعَلُ الْمُسْلِمِينَ كَالْمُجْرِمِينَ When we make the, the Muslims like the criminals يعني the Mujrimeen, the disbelievers, the pagans when we make them the same, no way so we ask Allah who is the guardian and protector of Islam and he is the guardian and protector of the people of Islam to make firm our hearts on Islam until we meet him as Muslims and as believers this is the end of the statement of Al-Sheikh uh, Al-Khumayis and uh, brief, just a few brief comments before we close uh, concerning these same points Sheikh Muhammad Rasulullah Al-Albani says that the wording that came in the text of Al-Aqeedah Tahawiyyah وَأَهْلُ الْكَبَائِرَ مِنْ أُمَّةِ مُحَمَّدِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمُ that the major that people who committed major sins from the Ummah of Muhammad صلى الله عليه وسلم will be in the fire here the Shaykh says that the words that are between the brackets min ummati Muhammad وسلم, that they were not found in many of the manuscripts the handwritten manuscripts and even in some of the printed copies of Al-Aqidah Tahawiyah they were not found there and that removing those words actually is more correct that those words should not be there min ummati Muhammad the reason why is because what we could understand from those words is that the people who commit major sins from the Ummah of Muhammad they would be the people who would not remain permanently in the hellfire we understand from that then the people who commit major sins from the followers of other prophets that they would remain permanently in the hellfire so this word these, this expression more properly should be removed and it should just and we should understand from it that those who committed major sins of the believers the followers of any prophets who affirm the oneness of Allah whether from the Ummah of Muhammad or the previous prophets that if they, if they died on Tawheed also they will not remain permanently in the hellfire this is what is more in accord with what we know to be the truth uh, and this is more correct and the Prophet said that which confirms this view in a hadith in which he said يَخْرُجُ أَوْ يُخْرَجُ مِنَ النَّارِ مَنْ كَانَ فِي قَلْبِهِ مِثْقَالَ ذَرَّةٍ مِنْ إِيمَانِ That the person who had even the amount of iman in his heart of a dhurrah 
a small ant or an atom's weight or the smallest thing you can imagine, even the smallest amount of iman, whoever had that much in his heart, he would be removed from the fire. And here the Prophet ﷺ didn't say, from amongst my ummah. But he said, anyone who, who, who had in his heart even that amount of iman, misqala dharratin, he would be removed from the fire. Uh, he mentioned this in the absolute sense, and that means it includes all of the believers of the previous prophets as well as those who followed our Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Uh, and here also he mentioned that the definition that the scholars differ about what is a major sin and from amongst their definitions he said that which a, a prescribed punishment has been mentioned in the Sharia or that which the fire has been threatened for the one who commits it or that which the curse of Allah is upon them or the anger of Allah is upon them any such deeds يعني, they should be considered from amongst the kabaya or major sins and also he mentions, يعني, which I, I mentioned in passing the point that here in the text of the book remember how he says that those people who committed major sins if they died on Tawheed that even if they didn't repent they would not remain in the hellfire and after they meet Allah knowing Allah and believing in Him here the word mu'minina is in brackets as it was not found in some of the manuscripts but it was in other manuscripts mentioned this word mu'minina and here Shaykh al-Albani says that the word mu'minina is more right that it should be mentioned rather than arifina and if not both of them then the one that has more and if that more properly should be used here is mu'minina and that is because if we say arifina that those who meet Allah knowing Him without saying mu'minina believing in Him then this means that those who know Allah but didn't believe in Him and they are kafirs, that they would also receive the mercy of Allah and they would also يعني, be expecting Allah's forgiveness or Allah removing them from the fire eventually and that's not so that the description of those who expect Allah's mercy and His forgiveness are not those who just know Allah many of the kafirs know Allah but it means those who believe in Allah and so it is more proper that we should say instead of arifina we should say mu'minina or at least we have to say mu'minina along with arifina that those who know Allah and who also believe in Allah yani this is a, a necessary condition in this statement that it has to include this word though it wasn't in some of the manuscripts but it was in others of the manuscripts and as we know yani those who said that iman was only knowing Allah ma'rifah that was the jahmiyyah they said that iman didn't include actions and speech but it only includes knowledge of Allah. Whoever knew Allah, then that means they had Iman. And of course that includes Fir'aun, Iblis, and all of the other disbelievers and mushrikeen from Ahl Kitab and, and others besides them. And they know Allah, but they don't believe in Him. So yani, this, uh, this point here is very important, that we don't say that uh, the, the person deserves Allah's mercy just due to knowing Allah, but really it is due to dying, believing in Allah. Uh, finally, Naam. Also, he makes a point here, and the final point, which is very, very brief. Uh, he says here concerning the ayah in the Quran that Allah forgives, that Allah forgives anything that is less than that, whoever He wills. Less than that, it refers to shirk. 
and also kufr. And here Shaykh al-Albani says that in the Sharia, and the Sharia, the essence of shirk and the essence of kufr is the same. There is no difference between the kafir and the mushrik. In essence, yani, a kafir is also a mushrik, and a mushrik is also a kafir. For sure, it is clear that the mushrik is a kafir. Whoever worships things other than Allah, they don't really believe in Allah. Perhaps it might not be so clear that the kafir is also a mushrik, but if we just consider the fact that a kafir who disbelieves in Allah, that means whatever belonged to Allah, they gave it to other than Allah. And this is shirk. So that kufr and shirk in the essence are the same, and they would both be يعني, subject to the same ruling from Allah. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. That means that Allah was to give anything less than that, meaning anything less than shirk, as well as anything less than kufr. Whoever died on kufr, also Allah will not forgive. This is the end of what we wanted to say. If there are any comments or corrections or questions, inshallah we have time for questions. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika. Shadu an la ilaha ila anta astaghfiruka wa atubu Any questions from the brothers? Or any comments from the brothers? <coughs> No. No. The difference is that uh, Fir'aun, for example, before he died, before he was drowned in the sea, he admitted, La ilaha illallah. Yani he admitted it. That means that he knew that there was nothing that had the right to be worshipped except Allah. He knew it. Iblis also confessed that to the, to the existence of Allah Iblis also confessed to such in so many places in the Quran he acknowledged that Allah and he asked Allah to give me pardon, give me respite and I will mislead as many of them as I can that means he acknowledged that Allah is the creator that Allah alone is the one that should be worshipped and that he even cannot do anything except that Allah gives him respite to do it he doesn't have any power that Allah has power over him but this acknowledgement that Allah is the power, that Allah is the creator, that Allah has authority. That's not enough. But what is required is more than just to say, I know that Allah is the creator. Okay, you know it. But do you submit to Allah? Do you confess that He alone should be worshipped? And then you give yourself to that confession. And you give yourself over to act or to comply with that which you confess to. And the person who says, I know that Allah is the creator, but they don't act in accordance with that. Then this is not iman. This is just considered knowledge, the person knows that Allah is the creator, but if they don't act in accordance with it then we don't say they have iman yani the person who has iman has to confess to that fact, has to believe it in their heart say it on their tongue and then they have to act in accordance with it this is the definition of iman iman is conviction in the heart, testimony on the tongue and actions in accordance with that testimony or that conviction so those people who know Allah, even if they say it on their tongue, it's not enough because some of the deviant groups said that Iman is conviction in the heart and testimony on the tongue without actions and this was an error on the part of some of the Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah particularly from the Hanafi Madhab and the other scholars from Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah refuted them and they said that just even the person who testifies on the tongue and believes and, can, and have the conviction in their heart that that's not sufficient if they don't have deeds because the testimony on the tongue has conditions in order for it to be accepted it has conditions otherwise the munafiq who appears in front of the people and says la ilaha illallah 
and even goes to the masjid and prays in jama'ah with the Muslims and openly displays Islam even though they said it on their tongue but it's not accepted because of the conditions of la ilaha illallah is that the person has to say it with sidq, truthfulness with ikhlas, sincerity for Allah alone with mahabba, loving what is the meaning of that word al-inqiyad, yani in submission, willing submission to the meaning of la ilaha illallah that they said and so on yani having knowledge of it is one of the conditions of the shahada being accepted but it's not enough having ilm, having yaqeen, certainty, sidq, truthfulness yani ikhlas, all of these are also conditions in order for the shahada to be accepted and these conditions have been confirmed in the authentic hadith reported by al-Bukhari and Muslim every one of these conditions are confirmed by the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Some questions came from the sisters uh, One question uh, alaykum. Would you please repeat the explanation given regarding four categories of acts which may be counted as major sins Naam yeah, and The categories of acts which may be counted as major sins are not limited to four but we mentioned four here uh, but actually as I said Imam al-Zahabi rahimahullah, mentioned many of other opinions of the scholars concerning major sins from amongst them is that act for which there is a threat to be punished with a hellfire that act for which a person does which the curse of Allah is upon them or the curse of the, the messenger of Allah وسلم, or the believers or the angels curse also that act which it is mentioned that Allah is angry with the person who does so if Allah is angry when a person does if Allah says in the Quran that Allah is angry with those who do such and such then that means that this is also counted from amongst the major sins also from amongst the categories of major sins is uh, the, the threat يعني, that when, when it has been reported in the Quran or in the Sunnah that uh, uh, a, or in the Sharia that a uh, prescribed punishment a prescribed punishment, the hudud, is, is specified for a certain act, then that act is also considered from amongst the major sins. Yani the acts which there is a prescribed punishment in the sharia, whether it's 80 lashes or other than that, or whatever it may be, if there's a prescribed punishment for any act, then that's also considered uh, amongst the major sins. These are some of the categories, but they are not all of them. We can refer to al-kabaya for a longer discussion concerning this topic. Also, there's a question, what about those Muslims who profess Tawheed but committing shirk, like worshipping people in the grave? What is their status? And the ones who died professing Tawheed but died committing shirk? Yani, the people who commit shirk, though they say on their tongue the word of Tawheed, then their condition is that يعني, that Allah forgives anything less than shirk and he doesn't forgive shirk يعني, Allah said in the Quran إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يَغْفِرُ أَيْ يُشْرَكَ بِهِ يعني, Allah does not forgive anyone that makes shirk with him if a person does an act of shirk but they repent from it sincere repentance according to the conditions of, of the, or, or, or the conditions of repentance and Allah accepts their repentance and that's different but if they commit act of shirk and they don't repent from it then this Allah does not forgive. Uh, if, if someone professed Tawheed but died committing shirk, yani committing an act of shirk at, at the time of their death, this is a sign of an evil end. Uh, and this is what the Prophet ﷺ used to pray for, that Allah 
make the best of our deeds, the last of our deeds. And we also uh, are ordered by Allah yani, to avoid this evil end. When Allah told us, uh, تَمُوتُنَّ إِلَّا وَأَنْتُمْ مُسْلِمُونَ Don't die except in submission to Allah, yani in obedience to Allah, on the tawheed of Allah. Because whoever dies in other than that condition, <coughs> then uh, this is يعني, Allah's qadr or decree which shows يعني, the reality of that person. Allah makes known يعني, those people as some of the scholars uh, explain in the explanations of the hadith concerning those people who did good deeds all of their life until that which was written overcomes them and then they begin to do the deeds of the people of the hellfire and then they die doing that deed and they enter the hellfire. Some of the scholars said that this hadith is a, is, a, is a clarification of the fact that there are some people who appear to do good deeds but Allah made it manifest in the end of their life what they were really upon and then Allah showed their evil and their kufr and their shirk and they died on that and others يعني, explained it in different ways in, other, in any case this is one of the explanations that Allah makes manifest and actually it came in an authentic hadith with this wording يعني, the wording that Allah made manifest the reality of the people or the true nature of those people by their final actions that they died upon. So we seek refuge in Allah from deviating at the point of our death or dying in disobedience to Allah or committing especially dying committing some act of kufr or shirk. That 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 we, we, we seek Allah's protection and we ask Allah to make us firm so that we die in Islam and that we don't die in a bad condition, even in disobedience to Allah, even committing sins, let alone in the commission of kufr or shirk. Any uh, comments from the brothers? Tayyib. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika. Shalwan la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa tubu ilayk. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim.